Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Hello, this is Talk Cosmos. Wishing a summer solstice celebration to each and every one of you that was yesterday. And tonight, June 22nd, 2019, Talk Cosmos opens with Cancer Cosmic Collaboration, kicking off Cancer with four commentaries by astrologers voicing their independent thoughts about a few archetypal energies fundamental to Cancer. Water, emotional attachments, the fourth house. This program repeats Thursday morning, June 27th, 6 to 7 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Astrologers speaking today will be Talk Cosmos host, Sue Rose Minahan, evolutionary oriented astrologer from Seattle, Washington, and that's myself. Scheduled next Saturday, June 29th, Sarah Stromley, evolutionary astrologer who studies Horary Astrocartography and Medical Astrology from Redmond, Washington. You'll find two archival talks from 2018. September 1st in the Virgo archetype and December 22nd in the Capricorn archetype. Welcoming a new guest scheduled for the last Cancer archetype date on July 20th, Catherine Metcalf, also known as Astrologer Kathy on her monthly YouTube videos. A professional astrologer and hypnotherapist from East Moline, Chicago, Illinois. If you check out our website, talkcosmos.com, you'll find the schedules and guest informations, plus the archival link now going to podcast1.com because the radio station KKNW that Talk Cosmos broadcasts on is now partnering with podcast1.com. So go to podcast1 to find and download any podcasts and our latest one. Hope you enjoy this show. Thank you so much. The moon rules Cancer, the fourth sign of the zodiac, and adds the wonder of water to complete the elements of fire, earth, and air signified by Aries, Taurus, and Gemini, respectively. Let's begin with some physical facts to understand the imperative role water plays in nurturing our very process of life. Our Earth is 71% water to land. The tides rise and fall two times each day. National Geographic explains that the moon's gravitational pull on the Earth is the main cause of the rise and fall of ocean tides. It's the moon's gravitational pull that causes two bulges of water on the Earth's oceans. One where the water from the ocean faces the moon, making the pull longest, and one where ocean waters face away from the moon, and so the pull is weakest. Correspondingly, our body's ratio of water to mass begins as an infant at 75% water, dropping to 65% a year later, 
but even as adults, we're predominantly water. It's 60% in males. And because women, you know, we usually often have fat content, which doesn't hold water, so it's 55% water. However, the brain and hearts have 73% water, lungs 83% water, muscles, kidneys 79%, skin 64 blood plasma actually carries 20% of all water in the body, and the bones lower the ratio because they have the least at 31% water. But regardless, we humans are largely water and depend on it for a myriad of vital capacities. You know, water lubes our joints. It insulates the brain, spinal cord, organs, the fetus growing in the womb. It's a shock absorber. Water flushes waste and toxins, you know, via our urine. It's a major solvent dissolving minerals, soluble vitamins, and really importantly, it carries oxygen and nutrients to all the cells. Humans will only live a few days without water. In fact, since water quenches thirst for animals and plants, water maintains a pivotal influence synthesizing the depth of all life's connection. This incredible comparable ratio of Earth's water to land and our body's percentage of water to mass holds the dynamic that gravity affecting the Earth's water also affects all water, namely that in humans too. This similar water ratio indicates evidence of astrology's significance. It amazed me when I first discovered this in my 20s because this gravitational reality check remains a fundamental alliance establishing the magnitude to which we humans live connected entirely to the cosmos. I was also greatly surprised to find out that Earth's water is constantly circulating between evaporation and condensation at all times and even ice evaporates because water molecules will evaporate until the amount of water in the air creates enough vapor pressure to achieve equilibrium and that's what the atmospheric pressure and that's depending on the humidity and temperature of the water and air. The balance wants 100%, and if too much, it condenses into precipitation, and if too little, it evaporates, water evaporates. Water is so cardinal, so full of action, that's what cardinal means, and in cardinal cancer, water is so dynamic. On a global scale, the amount of water evaporating is about the same as the raining precipitation, but water holds the capacity to change landscapes. The tides erode rock into sand, tides literally transform coastal beaches carrying sand up and down the coast. Clouds of tiny 
Water vapors shield the sunlight as they move across the globe and bring about 10% of the water to land. The ancients made pottery vessels from clay, adding water to clay, which people still do, but it began way back with the ancients. Clay and water also make tiles used for decor and building blocks. It's very fundamental to our evolution with agriculture, with people, you know, using both clay and using water. It's interesting that the Earth's crust holds the oceans and lakes and missing the mixing rather, pardon me, mixing the earthen clay with water makes a container to hold liquids. It's symbolically connected. In many ways, clay and water illustrates that relationship of water's gift of connecting us to the higher realms of the spiritual through the emotional body that water signifies in the astro- in astrology. As a Chinese fable entitled The Relations Between Ruler and Ruled tells, the sovereign, Confucius pointed out, is the bowl, while the people represent the water. The square vessel gives the water a square shape, and a round one gives the water a round shape. So there's nothing in which the ruler takes delight without being imitated by the subjects, his subjects. And this is written as I have read. So it's most incredible the famed Japanese scientist Dr. Masaru Emoto discovered human consciousness has an effect on the molecular structure of water. He published his extraordinary book, The Hidden Messages of Water, 2004, of studies of water photos displaying water's incredible capacity to form different crystal shapes based on the emotional projection of a person. The water crystals show the differences between beautiful sentiments versus ugly ones. I was sent a postcard from a friend showing his crystals of Benjamin Franklin's 13 virtues. They're of temperance, silence, order, resolution, frugality, industry, sincerity, justice, moderation, cleanliness, tranquility, and chastity. Each crystal I see has six points with a center but entirely distinctly different designs. In this book, Dr. Emoto did experiments when people held a glass of water and felt, you know, the different feelings and emotions. Water would change from terribly shattered crystals for cruel or tragic feelings versus beautiful ones listing, you know, as listed above, as I've mentioned, giving harmony and love factors. It totally stands to reason to me that our emotions define the water content in our bodies as well. And emotions relates entirely to water and to cancer. 
Dr. Emoto's work involved the memory of water and is now actually being discussed as one of the common sense topics in a community of the latest, newest science of water called Fourth Phase of Water. And it's proposed by Dr. Gerald Pollack at the U of Washington in a phenomena presented first by Dr. Montager called DNA Teleportation. Dr. Moniger was a Nobel Prize winning scientist. He shared 2008 prize for medicine for his role in establishing a link between HIV and AIDS. However, he has passed away a few years ago and his work is still very controversial in the science world. But if possibly DNA can replicate signals and teleport itself to distant cells via electromagnetic signals, and this spectrum is further developed, it seems to relate to telepathy and further indicates the miraculous connective force of water, such as the astrology archetype of cancer. Because cancer, the archetype of cancer, indicates water's very deep emotional and intuitive characteristics. That was your host of Talk Cosmos, Sue Rose Minahan, introducing the Cancer Archetype. And coming up next, you will hear from Sarah Stromley, who will be speaking on June 29th. Hi, I'm Sarah Stromley, founder of Brain Body Therapy. I specialize in cranial sacral therapy and custom vibrational tincture remedies. I incorporate evolutionary astrology and related horary and medical astrology in my practice. I'm talking today about the mysterious power of cancer and its ruling element of water and how that relates to our studies of astronomy, astrology, medicine, along with current transits and considerations. And thank you, Sue, for your invitation to join your program. I enjoy following Talk Cosmos, exploring this topic and transits for this segment has been therapeutic for this Cancerian mama type that's floating in grief from losing my beloved dog of 12 years. It's a journey. The element of water through all scientific and esoteric studies is arguably the most mysterious of all categories. There's no other element that can change form and seeks form quite like water. Its forms are solid, liquid, gas, solvent. It's a conduit of electricity and more. As a solid or liquid, it's obvious when it's frozen or not. As a gas or vapor, when it's heated. It acts as a solvent because it dissolves and disperses most anything that's immersed in it for long enough. And it's a conduit of electricity, not only for how it powers massive transformers through its sheer mass. Hopefully you'll never discover how powerful and lethal it can be when electricity conducts through water. Another interesting thing I've learned is that water has the strongest surface tension of any known substance. 
the way the molecular structure can, can constantly moves. They're still studying this extensively, but it floats almost anything that isn't as dense, and it has fewer. Th there's very fewer things that are as dense as a body of water, and there's been recent discoveries of new body of water contained within larger bodies of water, and all of these can separate through mineral heaviness, salt content, actual light penetration, and temperatures that sustain different forms of life and bacteria within those layers. And yeah, astronomers have always been floating theories on how Earth became such a massive water planet, or has always been one. Currently, there's space exploration that's lending more insight in coming years here, while they are attempting to reach the farthest areas of our universe to uncover more of this mystery. And most importantly, there's two main ingredients of water, hydrogen and oxygen. These are very combustible features of fire, and yet it's the very element that buffers and protects us from fire's intense heat. There's no doubt there's many powers that water has that is yet to be revealed. Astrologers have researched and confirmed for thousands of years a common strong characteristics in charts and those with the sign of cancer and the moon that rules it are tied to themes of memory and instinctual behavior. Only in recent studies of water reveal how water molecules actually hold memory and behave somewhat like neurons in our brain. Most interestingly, Water can be imprinted with simply a frequency that is subtle and yet potent medicine. The process of making homeopathy medicine is where a particle is added to a large container of water and then vigorously shaken. Then a few drops of that water are put into a new container of water that's vigorously shaken and then from that new container, a few drops were put into another, and this is repeated through a predetermined number of containers, 6, 12, 24. And with each dilution, the signature and imprint of that original particle, even though there's no trace of it left, becomes stronger medicine, and that targets the condition it's supposed to treat. It's how you turn snake venom into anti-venom. Arnica montana is one of the most common and widely used homeopathic remedies for speeding muscle recovery and bruising. And I'll briefly mention some vibrational remedies I use in my practice that could be useful during this time or similar times. And all there is to it is spring water and it's been vibrationally imprinted and preserved. 
I do want to first mention some interesting astrological weather that's setting us up nicely for some eclipses and early and mid-July. And these are bigger ones because they're total. And as the communication planet Mercury has been um, conjuncting our planet Mars, they're both transiting the late degrees of Cancer. Mercury's been prepping and passing and aligning with the desire and the warrior planet Mars. It's very sensitive and it's been dropping clues on how to best stand tall and oppose this Saturn, Pluto, and Capricorn that normally resembles some form and structure authority and where there's a power dynamic lies during this transit. So there's an internal stirring within everyone to some extent and especially those certain individuals that are more aspected. But this lends an urge to do something impulsive, bold, daring, or taking a stand on an issue that may seem worth defending. And the urge might be minor, it may be downright irresistible or volatile. So to best manage this week's Cancer Mars, Mercury, and Capricorn, Saturn, Pluto, South Node opposition, my suggestion is just to avoid overreacting to a perceived or actual insult or injury to yourself or others. And avoid provoking others, if you can at all possible, without realizing it. There's also a, this friendly Sun-Uranus sextile happening that could be supporting a Mars issue of taking a stand. And when your heart is in the right place and the intent is for the greater good of all concerned and paramount, taking a risk could lend tremendous support and doors opening that were previously hidden or locked. Creative solutions are potent and groundbreaking right now. And so consider finding that sweet spot of targeting issues worth taking a stand for. And with that likely Mars moon triggers this week and fixed ideas are likely, emotions uh, are power, can power and disempower. So if there's a powerful charge that's too strong when communicating, it can undermine or drown out the core message of what's important to get across. So if you're able to envision standing in the eye of a storm, these energies can be quite useful. So a question that could be worth cycling or meditating on is, how do I harness this intensity and power to support a lasting legacy? 
How do I harness this intensity and power to support a lasting legacy? How do I harness this intensity and power to support a lasting legacy? And the solstice that was just Friday, June 21st, puts a three-month theme that notably has a transiting Venus in Gemini and, and retrograde Jupiter and Sagittarius in opposition. So revisiting inner and outer dialogue could be made easier through friendships, group associations, and neighbors. Consideration may be helpful in reviewing your aspirations, how you want to be recognized, how you communicate, how could you be more, how could you find more people that you can relate to through your associations. Maybe you could turn a hobby into a source of income. And how can you have more fun? So gem and flower elixirs that um, I recommend as vibrational remedies that could be useful at this or similar times. Azurite gem is one that is most favored from Arizona. It's this deep, dark, hypnotic blue color. And some of them have like green accents to them. But as a gem elixir, um, I like to use it for what seems to awaken insights and intuition. It also stimulates intellectual pursuits, and it's actually great for both academic and spiritual tests because they involve observing and memorization and recognizing powers, which this seems to enhance. And peony flower starts uh, the other one that I was going to suggest. Peony flower, P-E-O-N-Y, um, starts as this beautiful, tiny, tight bud, and it blossoms in a big way. And it seems to open and enlarge like a forever unfolding fragrant rose. And I like peony flower elixir, and I think it's useful most at this time because it aids in shifting pretense and false persona. And it improves the, our ability to face things logically and communicate authentically. And when this happens, when people step into that, that sense of willingness and vulnerability to do that, it, it creates personal magnetism. And peony is excellent when used for improving group relationships, uh, it's great for teenagers seeking a way that works for them and supports their self-discovery. And also just anyone seeking to find their tribe or making, looking for new friends, that type of thing. So I must warn against consuming flower and gems because most of them are toxic and 
All the tinctures I use in my practice are safely and sustainably produced and safe for both oral and topical use. For more information or where to find me, go to brainbodytherapy.com or you can link to the show's website, talkcosmos.com or previous recordings of where I've talked on these types of things before. So, um, so I just wanted to end this with a happy solstice and may you may this grand opening into summer bring more light and warmth into your life. You just heard from Sarah Stromley, who will be speaking on June 29th. At this time, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we have another segment from Sue Rose Minahan. This is a cosmic collaboration from Talk Cosmos. break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. Currently, we are in the period of cancer. By leaving a cycle based on connecting mental communication to the external, the energy of cancer involves emotions, which create our personal story through our emotional associations and attachments. As a cardinal water sign that is nurturing, cancer needs to process emotions in one's own internal rhythm of cycles in order to complete an evolution. Hi, this is John Luke. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, where we discuss the meaningfulness of our roots in the stars and planets. Alternative Talk, 1150 on AM, 98.9 HD3 on HD, 1150kknw.com on the web. Welcome back to Talk Cosmos, and this week you're listening to a cosmic collaboration which brings together shorter segments of each guest for each archetype. Now let's hear Sue's second segment, which she provided for Leslie Francis, will be featured on her program on July 6th. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, host of Talk Cosmos and an evolutionary-oriented astrologer based in Seattle, Washington. Marianne Williamson, in her book, Illuminata, declares... The revolution that will save the world is ultimately a personal one. She goes on to say, the story is an inner drama in a world beneath the surface of things. Because, she adds, it's a turning inward of the Western mind. Of our taking control of our love, our hearts connected to minds, because only love will encounter the hate. The fourth house holds our roots, the foundation inherited from our ancestors, the family, and early childhood experiences. Water element of cancer symbolically represents our emotions, what nourishes those roots in the emotional stories we anchor our personal life. Through water, its nature is the essence of change that feelings are shaped. In a metaphysical sense, water truly works as the elixir of life itself through deep emotional attachments. We cry water-drop tears from both laughter and sorrow. Why does this overflow of emotion released through the eyes of our soul? 
I love a magnet I picked up at the airport in Santa Fe, New Mexico from the native Indian culture that says, the soul would have no rainbow if the eyes had no tears. From the Kansasarian perspective, life begins through our emotions that reflect and designate our references to what matters for us personally. If we block or avoid all sadness and experience only joy, we'd inhibit the joy because life flows in a cycle. The crescent moon reveals the cyclic, ever-changing lunar nature of our lives. Our modern culture, with its emphasis on external orientation, looking outside of ourselves for either solace or power, hardly gives any importance or significance to our natural tidal nature of emotions. Remember, the moon pulls the waters of the earth, and we too are mostly water. Often this culture judges emotions as difficult and viewed as good, bad, up or down. Rather, a constructive perspective considers emotions as inward or outward so one can find an appropriate activity or behavior to accompany such emotion. Essentially, emotions need to flow without resistance, like rain circulates across the globe. Rose Lynn Fisher published a book, The Topography of Tears. There are three kinds. Psychic tears of extreme emotion, happiness or sadness, basal tears that lube the cornea, and reflex tears responding to onions, for instance. The Smithsonian specifies, yes, each have very different molecular structure. So looking at these three photos, I'll try to describe the differences. The grief photo was long lines perpendicular to one another with a lot of space and disjointed tiny globs all separated. The laughing photos were round and wiggly with large and spacious open circular shapes. The onions looked like an intense web of lines interconnected without any round shapes. Water cleans and purifies even in our tears. Water shows unlimited emotional depth and self-containment. Water wants a container and relates to cancer's need to pursue emotional security. So to experience living their very own personal rhythm and process emotions to internalize new experiences because that in its very process changes the inner self resulting in growth. The very nature of the moon that transits a sign every two and a half days changes the light energy reflected from the moon. Water shifts with nature in a cyclic rhythm and people receive cosmic sensitivities affecting our moods and our emotions. Cancer energy through water is sensitive, empathetic, nurturing, protective, and trusting. When like water, it can feel the safety as water is contained in a vessel. Essentially, cancer needs to build intimacy with close ones so the barriers are dropped and allow the great challenge to become vulnerable despite the risk of being hurt. Personal growth requires this closeness so cancer can reveal and communicate their true feelings. 
Feelings are conveyed not only through words but body language. Feelings add to life the entire dimension of completely connecting with others. It's vital to be authentic because then through thick, thin, the good, the tough times by sharing the true feelings, truthful connection gets through those tough times. It's important for their relationships to feel secure and know they are loved for who they are. We personalize our own life through our emotional attachment. What we choose connects us to life, our very own life. It becomes of great value and serves our soul. We can make associations with anything, be it people in any relationship or things of any nature, ideas, whether they're causes or not, or places, whether we were there or not. It's how we create our own internal rhythm and acts as a guide to our existence and enables us to protect what we most deeply feel connected to that defines our ego and personality and life. The water element of cancer is like a deep running river with a lot of compassion and understanding and receptivity. It's an empathetic flowing energy. Emotions can be habits. From astrology's viewpoint, it makes sense because the moon is our habitual needs. But I felt this was liberating news because it possesses the ability to change habits. Take worry, for instance. If a personality feels the need for control, it helps to realize what does one have power to change or not? Because ultimately, it's only oneself that one can change. Worry can appear to be necessary, but evaluating if goals might achieve success and if that transforms what might be otherwise a chronic need for worry is one example. Or if a person has an emotional attachment to crisis before they're able to realize any necessity of taking action is another example of unproductive emotional habits. Mark Twain wrote, Everyone's a moon and has a dark side, which they never share to anybody. And it's true. If we allow our rationale to reject our lunar value system of emotions, they reappear as negative projections. Our choice to accept the gift of transmuting our emotional experiences and growing, that's the glory of living to one's own rhythm. It takes awareness to leave patterns of emotional attachments for new choices. And this directly implies a safety zone that Cancerian energy has established in order to feel safe and secure to change our attachments. Emotional attachments keep us alive from the very get-go with the mother and child bond. Ancient Mesopotamia, 3000 BC, made talismans to provide emotional attachments through little pictures that symbolize perhaps the saying a picture's worth a thousand words. However, many emotional attachments serve as memories to direct and guide our behavior on the past. And it's for us to depend if we recollect the positive or negative achievements or the failures and how to proceed. It's the fourth house where the summer solstice stops the sun and turns around from the 23 and a half degrees of the Tropic of Cancer, located above the equator in the Northern Hemisphere, to then begin to descend towards the winter solstice of the Capricorn Tropic, 
of 23.5 degrees below the equator in the southern hemisphere. Truly, the sun enacting the cardinal message like the water gets moved with the moon's gravitational pull and our body water, as well pulling our emotions into the secular flow encompassing life. The light is within, shedding the darkness to own our reality we conceive and process. Once again, that was your host of Talk Cosmos, Sue Rose Minahan, who provided a segment for Leslie Francis, the guest for the July 6th program. And last but not least is our final guest for the cancer archetype, Catherine Metcalf, joining the program on July 13th. Hi, everybody. My name is Catherine Metcalf. I am a professional Western astrologer, tarot card reader, teacher, speaker, uh, author, and I love everything about metaphysics. So I'm honored to be here today um, on Sue's show to talk with you about the zodiac sign cancer and the archetypes that are related to cancer. So first of all, cancer the crab, uh, the birthday is typically June 21st to July 22nd. Now, again, it depends on the year that you're born, but if you happen to be born the 20th through the 22nd, typically you're what's referred to as a cusp baby. That means that you carry traits of both signs. So either um, Gemini Cancer or Cancer Leo, depending if you're coming in uh, at the beginning or the end of the zodiac sign. Um, one thing that we do know about uh, Cancer, it is the first water element in the zodiac signs. And water energy is, is very receptive. It's very uh, intense. So um, water, when you think about it, can be smooth as silver on a beautiful smooth lake, or it can be combustible and wild like in a tsunami. So because um, cancer has this water energy flowing through it, um, our sweet cancers often get accused of being moody. <laughs> so um, that just goes with that flow of water energy. So cancer typically is very sensitive. They're very receptive to the energy of wherever they are. Um, they're imaginative. They're sympathetic. They're kind, and again, the emotions come in very, very strongly for Cancer the Crab. So Cancer's uh, logo is the crab, and we all know what a crab looks like. So, you know, there are those hard crustaceans that crawl along the beach. And so sometimes when you first meet a Cancer, they can seem kind of um, quiet, shy, um, or kind of crusty, like they're not real easy to get close to, right? So, and the crabs, they have that shell to protect themselves because inside that hard, crusty shell, they're soft and squishy. <laughs> so, so, you know, cancers 
um, feel like maybe they need to protect themselves a little bit because they are so soft and sweet and kind and sensitive again. So um, cancer also, and if you look at the glyph of a cancer, so um, it's supposed to resemble the claws of a crab, but then it can also resemble human breasts. And the body part that cancer represents is the breast. And what is the breast related to? It's related to nurturing. Makes total sense. Then cancer, the zodiac sign, is ruled by the moon. And the moon represents our emotions. So you've got like this double whammy of emotions with cancer being a water element and then ruled by the moon. So when I tell you that cancer feels deeply about things, it's absolutely the truth. The moon also is highly intuitive and cancer has that trait already because it's also a water sign. So the moon just heightens that even more for cancer. So the moon represents our mother's nurturing comfort. It is extremely powerful because it represents and controls the tides of the ocean. And I mean, there's been lots of work done, you know, by um, people in uh, medicine, you know, working at hospitals and um, police officers and that kind of thing, where they've proven that people act differently when there's a full moon in the sky, right? So those people are a lot busier because it brings the Luna tick out in people. That full moon energy is so powerful. So and cancer is ruled by the moon. So the other area um, that cancer represents in an astrological wheel is the fourth house. The fourth house represents our home, our foundation, our family. It is our sacred space of safety and comfort. It looks at were you nurtured as a child? Were your needs met? So cancer encompasses all of that energy. So honestly, I truly believe that cancer, out of all the zodiac signs, that cancer is the most sensitive, probably one of the most intuitive signs out there. Um, so I also had found, and this is just kind of an interesting little tidbit. Um, you know, I know that most of you know that right now the North node is in cancer and the South node is in Capricorn. So that's affecting us globally. And I'll be talking with Sue about that more later in the month. But um, it's in everybody's birth charts. So um, what's happening with this Cancer Capricorn opposition is it's the 
um, matriarchy, which is Cancer, kind of opposing the patriarchy, which is Capricorn. And I've been doing some research on people that are born with the North Node in Cancer. And one of the people that showed up is Prince William, who was born June 21st, 1982. And he actually is born on the cusp of Gemini and Cancer, um, although I think he shows up at 29 degrees Gemini. But his North Node is in Cancer. So he's kind of come into this world from Princess Diana, who is a Cancer, or was a Cancer as well. And Camilla, interestingly enough, is also a Cancer. So he comes in with all this Cancer energy. And then his South Node in Capricorn represents his um, royal family, you know, the power and the tradition that he was born into. And then he married Kate Middleton, who's also a Capricorn. Um, so a big part of his mission, of Prince William's mission, is to find a healthy balance of honoring, you know, some of the tradition, but then bringing in um, the kindness and the sweetness and the philanthropy of cancer. So I actually think that he'll make an incredible leader. Um, a couple of other things is there's a couple of countries that are cancer countries also. Each country has a zodiac sign created for it. The United States is one. You know, our um, Declaration of Independence was signed July 4th. Hello, that's cancer energy. Holland also and New Zealand also. And I think all three of these companies on a global countries on a global level are seen as empathetic. You know, we have open arms or we had open arms, um, democratic, um, intuitive and protective. And I mean, we've got a sure sign of the protective energy that happened um, in New Zealand after there was that mass terrorist mosque shooting um, earlier this year. And, you know, what happened was that right after, I mean, within a month of that shooting, the prime minister, who happens to be a woman, um, actually came out and banned assault rifles. <laughs> I mean, that's just incredible. That is sincere protection of her cancer country. So... Um, I hope that you have found this little talk interesting. Um, cancer, again, the crab is highly intuitive, um, very empathetic, very creative as well. In fact, a couple of creative people that are cancers was Thoreau, Louis Armstrong, Ginger Rogers, uh, the painter Chagall, the fashion designer Oscar de la Renta, there's lots of creativity that flows through those cancer veins. So I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank Sue Minahan for having me on the show. And if you'd like to learn more about me, you can go to my website. It's katherinemetcalf.com. Or you can go to face, my Facebook page is Astrologer Catherine Metcalf. And that's with a K. 
And I also host weekly uh, YouTube videos. And you can find me on YouTube.com, Astrologer Catherine. So thank you guys so much for listening. And um, I'll be talking with you in a few weeks with Sue on her show. I'm glad for your interest in the second season's Cosmic Collaborations. It begins each archetype with individual commentaries and provide diverse perspectives and liberate the astrologer's voice. Today is June 22nd, the day after the summer solstice on June 21st, when the sun entered Cancer. And this program repeats next Thursday, 27th in the morning at 6 to 7 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Next Saturday, June 29th, Sarah Stromley, Evolutionary Astrologer, studying horary astrocartography and medical astrology from Redmond, Washington, joins to discuss the July 2nd solar eclipse. It'll be 10 degrees Cancer, and our focus will be on the United States Cancerian natal chart. That show repeats Thursday, July 4th, the USA Independence Day, in the morning, 6 to 7 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Talk Cosmos radio podcast show airs twice in the Seattle area, Saturday p.m. and then Thursday, 6 a.m. And you can access the live listen button online through several ways. The radio site, 1150kknw.com, or their app, KKNWAM. And just a note, the NW is stands for Northwest, because we're in the Pacific Northwest, Seattle, that's our location. And the AM refers to their, that is AM radio. <laughs> All right, got that straight. There's another option, Podcast One. It now has all our past episodes, so check that out. If you go to our website, Talk Cosmos, you'll find that link for the Podcast One also, and along with all the guest information from any of the episodes and all the schedule events. Just click on the event and then you'll see more information. Till we connect next week, June 29th, may all you fantastic souls celebrate what sustains your life force. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.